This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 27. How to stay on track. Pippa and I love to go for walks. Not so long ago, we went for quite a long walk on the South Downs. Neither of us have a very good sense of direction and we'd forgotten to take the map. Somehow we managed to wander off the track and we ended up on someone's farm. It was one of the shortest days of the year and soon the light started to fade. It seemed that the only way to get back to where we'd parked the car was to cross a field occupied by a large herd of cows. As we approached them, some surrounded us in an overly friendly fashion, blocking our way, while others took off in fright and started charging round the field. Fearing that we were going to be mown down into the mud by terrified cows charging at us, we decided to make a rather speedy exit up a very steep and slippery bank. Pippa had exceeded her desired length of walk. Darkness was falling, and we seemed to be nowhere near a track. Things were not looking good. Thankfully, we managed to find a path leading us back. It was such a relief. For future walks, we decided we would definitely take a map and stick to the route. Staying on the track proves much better for being able to relax, talk together, and for our relationship generally. In the Bible, the image of God's tracks is frequently used. Tracks that lead to life. From Psalm 17 Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. Though people tried to bribe me, I have kept myself from the ways of the violent, through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. Determined to stay on God's tracks. David says, My feet have held closely to your paths, to the tracks of the one who's gone on before. The Hebrew word for paths literally means wheel tracks. David is absolutely determined to stay on God's tracks. In order to stay on God's tracks, you need to watch first your heart, what you think about. Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find I have planned no evil. Second, your words, what you say. I have resolved with my mouth not to sin. Third, your feet, the places that you go. My feet have not slipped. Lord, help me to stay on your tracks. May my feet not slip. Help me to guard my thoughts day and night. Help me not to sin against you through anything I say or do. New Testament from Matthew 19 When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. 
I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, This is the situation between a husband and a wife. It's better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Stay on God's tracks in your relationships. Jesus' teaching on relationships is of vital importance for your own life and for society. In this passage, he sets out God's tracks for family life. First, the importance of marriage. The Pharisees ask Jesus about divorce, but he replies by speaking about marriage. He goes back to the creation account. Jesus quotes from Genesis 2.24, stating, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This verse from Genesis is seen as the blueprint verse for marriage, not only in the Old Testament and by Paul, but also by Jesus himself. Marriage involves the public act of leaving, making a lifelong commitment to your partner that takes priority even over your parental relationships. It involves being united with one's partner. The Hebrew word means literally glued together, not just physically and biologically, but emotionally, psychologically, socially and spiritually. This is the Christian context of the one flesh union. The biblical doctrine of marriage is the most exciting and positive one that exists. It's also the most romantic view. It sets before us God's perfect plan. Second, concession of divorce. The Pharisees persist with their questions about divorce. They speak of Moses' command. Jesus replied by saying Moses permitted it because your hearts were hard and robustly confronts those men who in a society in which women had far fewer rights used the provision of the Lord to walk away from their wives. Moses' provision for divorce reminds us of God's grace and compassion in situations where we fall short of his ideals. But Jesus is saying that divorce is never ideal. Many of those who've experienced the pain of a broken marriage will identify with Job's description of his suffering in today's Old Testament passage. We need to do all we can to guard marriages, ours and others. I strongly encourage every couple in our church to do the marriage course and do all we can to comfort those who've been divorced, not by casting blame like Eliphaz. Third, calling to singleness. Jesus speaks of three types of singleness. First, some were born that way and never give marriage a thought. Second, there is involuntary singleness, those who never get asked or accepted. Third, there is voluntary singleness, those who decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. Singleness can be temporary or permanent, but it is never regarded in the New Testament as second best. 
both marriage and singleness are high callings, and according to the New Testament, there are advantages and disadvantages to both. Fourth, priority of children. The words of Jesus challenge the attitude of many of his contemporaries towards children. In ancient societies, children were often kept on the periphery of society. To use an old-fashioned British saying, they were to be seen but not heard. God's tracks are very different. Jesus places his hands on the little children and prays for them. When the disciples feel that Jesus should not be distracted by them, Jesus replies, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He demonstrates the high priority children should have in our lives. As parents, it's very important to prioritize our children and not to see them as distracting us from our work or ministry. As a church, we need to see that our children and youth have priority in terms of resources and facilities because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them as much as anyone else. They are not only the future of the church, they are the church. Lord, help us, both in our personal lives and as a society, not to wander off your tracks for family life. I pray for your blessing on all those working to strengthen family life. Old Testament, from Job 4-7 to Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, replied, Think how you have instructed many, how you've strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you're dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Consider now, who... Being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I've observed, those who plough evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Now you have proved to be no help. You see something dreadful and are afraid. Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I've been wrong. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Help others stay on God's tracks. I'm so thankful for my friends who've helped me stay on track. However, sometimes it's possible for even our friends to misunderstand or get things wrong. In this passage, we see a contrast between Job, who helped others stay on God's tracks, and Eliphaz, who was no help to Job. Sometimes people ask, Is every word in the Bible true? I reply, Yes, but like every other book, it needs to be interpreted. One of the rules of interpretation is that we have to interpret according to the context. We have to read the words of Eliphaz in the light of the fact that in the end, the Lord says to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. The words that we read in this passage are not all true. Job's friends give far too simplistic an answer to the issue of suffering. Their diagnosis is often naive, pious and unrealistic. Job, on the other hand, is realistic and honest as he struggles with pain, sleepless nights, grief and suffering. His suffering is not as a result of his own sin, as Eliphaz and his friends suggest. Job rightly asks, show me where I've been wrong. God's Spirit will always convict us of specific sins, whereas Eliphaz and his friends say in effect, you must have done something wrong to be suffering like this. 
those who are suffering have not necessarily caused their suffering by their own sin. If we have, then God will show us the specific sin. Eliphaz and his friends give advice that is a mixture of truth and falsehood, and their words need to be interpreted as such. One thing Eliphaz says that is probably true is that Job was a man who helped many stay on God's tracks. Think how you have instructed many, how you strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. Your task is not just to stay on track yourself, but like Job, to help others as well by your actions and by your words. Lord, thank you for all my friends who help me stay on track. Help me to be a genuine comfort to those who are suffering, to support those who stumble and strengthen those with faltering knees. Help us all to help each other to stay on your tracks. Pepper adds, I'm impressed by the psalmist saying, My mouth has not transgressed. It means being careful about all your words. What we say when we're off duty still really matters.